Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. hesitate to use the words success story in the mental health community because of fear of relapse. Having said that, Stacy D of Bad Cop Bad Cop is in the best place she's been in her life. Stacy is the guitarist and vocalist of the Bay Area pop punk band that just released its new album, The Ride. Throughout her life, Stacy has dealt with self-harm, depression, and suicidal thoughts. A Xanax addiction that lasted several years landed her in rehab. Then she was hospitalized twice and was later diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. Luckily, it was treatable, but it was another huge hurdle in her life. Through what she calls self-love and a health routine, she's been able to keep a positive mental attitude. Stacy doesn't believe in labeling herself with a mental health diagnosis. Instead, she focuses on moving forward every day. With the strong punk community behind her, she's ready for whatever challenges life throws her. I'm Stacy D, and I'm a singer-songwriter for the band Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I play guitar for the band, but I play a bunch of different instruments. And I have dealt with mental health my whole life. It started when I was young. I was somebody that hurt myself from a young age. But through the years, I've found and through many different uh, forms of suffering, found a way out to live a really good, healthy, positive life. Now, I had had many drug problems, overcome many things in life to get to where I'm at today. And it was severely negative person for most of my life up until I was 40. And that was only almost five years ago. (laughs) That's what I changed. I uh, was a pretty sad kid. I had lost a lot of friends at a young age. I had parents that were drug addicts and alcoholics. I had serious relationships too young in life, too much freedom. Uh, Like I said, drug problems. And like I said, I hurt myself a lot. But 
again, I've come out the other end, which is something I love talking about because there is ways to have some peace in all of it. Do you remember the first time that punk rock and mental health for you intersected? I think I started talking about things with Ryan Young and his podcast, Anxious and Angry. Um, he and I bonded over being angry and deeply sad, depressed, anxiety-ridden people. I, I had gotten myself addicted to Xanax, and it was a crazy eight-year-long addiction in large doses. I can't even believe I did that to myself. It was pretty gnarly. But anyways, that that was around the time. I think it was probably 2015, 16 is when I started talking about it. And then we had a song on our record, Warriors, called Victoria, about my friend's child who committed suicide. And I started talking about it on stage a lot more because we did the song and I wanted to talk about mental health and mental illness. Being somebody that was fundamentally suicidal for most of my life, Back then, the thought of suicide entered my head probably every day. That was just an option for me. I don't think like that anymore. That Those thoughts don't ever come to me. Well, they barely come to me anymore, I should say. So after she decided that she was going to take her life and I wrote the song, I felt like it was important to discuss a little bit more from the stage, you know, to our crowd that was watching us because... Um, it seemed like I had been given a platform and it, and I had gotten an opportunity to change my life. So I uh, wanted to share that with, with others, you know. You mentioned before an addiction to Xanax. So how did that relate to your mental health? Because I know a lot of folks self-medicate when they're dealing with things that maybe they're not aware of or have sort of pushed aside. Right. You know, I was somebody that was just like, I didn't know how to cope with life. I felt like everything was happening to me that was terrible. Nothing was positive. And, and when I got onto the Xanax, like I really kind of just checked out of life where I, I uh, would be up all night and I'd sleep all day and I couldn't do anything anymore. Like I couldn't go to work anymore or do anything like that. I just shut myself off. The only thing that I was able to do was my band still, which I'm so grateful for that that was obviously something that brought me joy and purpose. You went into detox and came out and had a lot of hellish after effects of that. Oh, man, I didn't know what was happening to me. I was going through the greatest suffering I had ever suffered in my life at, at being sober off of those drugs. Like, I don't believe in Xanax. I don't think anybody should be taking that drug. I, I think that it's terrible what it does. You don't feel it going in to the addiction, but when you try to get off of it, my brain was melting and it felt like I was having an acid trip for weeks by myself. And there was no information about it, like on the internet and no shit. Like the doctor that prescribed me Xanax was also the doctor listed in the area for helping people deal with Xanax addiction. <laughs> I felt like it was a setup or something, you know, like my brain was, uh, <laughs> I was seeing little paint bubbles in the wall melting into monsters in front of my face. And I was sober and I was suffering so bad, like not knowing what was happening to me that I had to quickly choose a different path for myself. Going back to being negative was extremely terrifying, terrifying thinking about the things that I used to think about like suicide or, or even death at all 
or, you know, negative things, watching like, you know, murders on TV or things like that. When I got out of detox, all of that stopped. I couldn't watch anything on TV that was remotely negative because it was terrifying to me. I was afraid that I was going to be like, right, it's time to go running and then just take off into the woods and never be heard or seen from again. That's how that drug affected my brain coming out of the addiction. It was just terrifying. But in it, I learned all of these tips and tricks and I gained a connection with the universe. The first night I got out of detox, I was so scared. I kept calling my mom and dad separate from each other. And one minute I'd be crying, thinking that I was going to die. And then the next minute I was, you raised a strong child. I got this. I mean, I was completely bipolar. I, I was swinging every half hour from yeah. one pole to the other. It was fucking nuts. And the last thing my dad said to me that night, and I was so scared. He said, Stacy asked the universe to stay with you. And I grabbed onto this pillow that my mom made for me when she was pregnant with me. And I started repeating a mantra of universe, please stay with me. Please stay with me. Please stay with me. And I was so scared of thinking of any thought that entered my head was terrifying. So I was just like, try, anytime a thought came in my head, I was like, oh, get out of here. And then all of a sudden, I felt better than I had ever felt in my life. I felt like I was floating on top of my bed and I saw myself in like weird visions. And this is a hundred percent true. I saw myself going around the world and helping people rebuild after natural disasters in a way that was aligned with their spirit. I, I've always known that I was supposed to be a musician. Since I was five years old, if you asked me what I wanted to be, this is what I wanted to be. And I got to be it. And in so doing that, I'm happy. That part of life is covered for me. I don't have to be something I'm not in life, you know, which yeah. is something that makes a lot of people very sad when they have to go be work a job just to pay the bills and they never get to live their dreams. It makes people sad, whether or not they know it. So... I saw some crazy shit and the shit that I saw was confirmed by like connection later. I saw something in this vision and then after I slipped out of this feeling where I just felt incredible and I went back to feeling terrible again, I started like following the little signs in life that kind of lead you in the right direction. Like say you're thinking about somebody and you can't remember their last name and then all of a sudden you look up. And there's their last name on it, like, like, like a street sign or something. Those little connections really got me through the melting of my brain. I started really connecting to that and connecting to what it was going to take for me to have a good life. And that meant taking accountability for things, stepping up and, and taking care of myself. Because I surrounded myself when I got out of detox with like my mother, my then boyfriend, and another roommate who I made stay with me 24 hours a day because I was so scared but nobody could help me but me. Have you had any diagnosis or? No, I've been to several therapists who told me that I was bipolar because you know, I would be fine and then I would be completely miserably depressed and I would walk around saying I was depressed and walk around saying I had anxiety and I'd been through a lot of things. And like I said, I was a pretty negative person where I didn't really like other people. I didn't like my life. And the truth is looking back, I've always had a good life, even when it was hard. But it's just perspective. And, and I think that what changed so much through all of it, and I don't know whether it was my mental health or whether it was the coming off of the drugs, because I had to change my complete 
perspective in the way that I looked at life. I couldn't go back to the things that kept me ill. How much does a diagnosis matter to you? Well, you know what? Everybody is different. You know what I mean? Like what I am versus what maybe you are or somebody listening to this is, is always going to be different in varying degrees of different stuff. I don't believe that I'm bipolar now. I have tools now to not swing from thing to thing, that when things are tough, I know how to work through them without caving and hiding from life. But that's me and my varying degree of my mental illness. I don't say that I'm depressed anymore. I don't use those words to describe myself anymore. Do I have bad days? Yes. Do I have a brain that tells me to stay in bed most days? Yes, that I don't feel good enough to get up to do anything that day. My brain tells me that almost every day. But I'm not calling that depression. It's just something that I have to push through a little bit harder than other people do that roll out of, out of bed happy in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still happy, but it's like I have to say, it's okay. You like doing things. I've retrained my brain to think differently. What other things do you do to get out of those low points? I do a lot of things. I journal. And in journaling, like I will write three pages of whatever is going on in my life. And then I would write a page of things that my brain told me that I was shit about. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. I come from a bad family. I, you know, all of these things that told me that I was terrible. And then I would write either a page of affirmations, like you are Stacy D and you are one of a fucking kind, like 10 times in a row. Or I would write, and I still do, pages of things that I'm grateful for. When things get tough and my brain is telling me, like, you know, when I slip, because I do slip too. Like, if I don't keep doing the work to keep me well, I slip back into, I can't get up today. Just check out today. You don't feel good. So the writing of gratitude lists is huge for me. This is a true story. I got to tell you this story. This is so funny. So one time Bad Cop was playing a festival in the south of France. And the next day we were going to play with Bad Religion in the Netherlands. But the time and the flight was so close. There was no margin for error. And if we were late, we were going to miss the show. And then when we got on the plane in the morning to fly to the Netherlands, we sat there for like an hour. Then the pilot comes on and says, uh, sorry, we're having some problems and we're going to be delayed. And we all were like so scared we're going to miss the show. And when they said that it was going to be another hour, <laughs> we knew we were going to miss the show. So instead of crying and being really upset, I pulled my journal out and I wrote four pages of shit that I was grateful for. And no kidding, 10 minutes later, not saying that that's what happened, what changed it. But 10 minutes later, the fucking pilot came on and said, we're leaving in 10 minutes. <laughs> and we fucking made the show. <laughs> nice. That's the way that I could change my day. If I feel like I haven't done the work, yoga is one, another one. Like when I'm doing yoga, I release so much stuff. I cry and I don't even know where it's coming from. And it's just because I'm holding on to that energy, you know, the stress and that kind of thing. I meditate a lot. There's an app called Insight Timer that has thousands of free guided meditations from anything from like releasing anxiety to living in abundance. So I do that kind of stuff. I connect with nature. I go out and I smell roses and I just look at flowers and tell them how cute they are. And, you know, I really try to change the brain from the negative loop that it gets stuck on when it's telling you you're nothing and you're shit, shit and nobody likes you and nobody loves you. And you, you said this and, and that's why this person doesn't like, you, you know, all the things that, you know, our brains do to us when it get, when they get out of control. 
those are the tools that I use. Deep breaths even help amazingly. I know it seems like simple, simple stuff. It is the most simple stuff that actually works and it's all free. I believe that it would work for everybody's degrees of mental health. Speaking of feeling better, how did you first get into punk rock? Well, when I was five, I decided that I liked the Go-Go's. They had just hit the radio with that song, We Got the Beat, We Got the Beat. And I was like, that is my band. And my mom and dad took me to see them when I was six. And it was an all-girl punk band. And I fought my way up to the front of the stage. I put my head on the stage. I looked at Jane Whedland and I said, that is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And and it was. <laughs> life took over. And I didn't really enter the punk rock scene so much until I was playing in it until I was like 24. What effect has it had on your life, being part of the scene, being around these punks? It's given me a complete community a place of understanding, a place of connection, a place of belonging, uh, acceptance. You know, we, we're the weirdos. Uh, <laughs> we're the cool, you know, we're the good people, you know, that want change and want to fight for change and want to be political and help other people. I think that's what it boils down to is punk rockers want to help each other. And I love that. Did you know that about punk rock coming into it? Or was it something that you were drawn to? I started listening. I'm from the Bay Area. And when Green Day first was a band and they played at Gilman before, way before their big records, I was listening to them on tapes. I also grew up on hip hop. I listened to a lot of dance music and hip hop too. But then punk rock just kept, I just kept identifying more with the music, the movement, the feeling of it than I did with any other kind of music. You know, I like I said about the drug addictions, I've had many different stints with being out of the game, I should say. <laughs> and so when I finally decided that punk rock was what I was going to do, I was 20. I, I picked up my guitar and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I started writing songs. And then, it, you know, it started with me playing acoustic by myself. And then finally, you know, got into my first band, The Angry Amputees. So I just, I don't know, I've always felt that this was my home. And what was your youth like as far as that whole scene and growing up with punk? How did it affect you? Oh, I loved it. Like most of my guy friends were skateboarders and I would jump in their cars and they'd be listening to these fucking tapes of like Operation Ivy and uh, the odd numbers. And like I said, Green Day, it was just so exciting and free. And it was like, put that record on. What's that record again? Yeah, dude, put that one on. I love that. Will you send me that? Will you dub that for me? <laughs> How it first kind of started for me was like that. And all my friends were going to Gilman, you know what I mean? But I was just a little too young. I was a little too young for my mom to let me to go. You talk a lot about self-love, and I know that you touched on that with some of the things that you're doing to stay healthy. But what does that mean to you, the concept of self-love? You know, it's so funny. After the cancer that I, I – turns out I had cancer for like the last eight and a half to ten years – and didn't know it until I found it at the end of December, December 2018, after I'd been sick in the hospital twice with a tubo ovarian abscess that was gone septic two times uh, that tried to take me out. I just was, I wasn't healthy. You know, I had changed my life and I had found positivity, but I wasn't taking care of myself. I was smoking. I wasn't eating well. I was incredibly underweight. I didn't take care of my skin. I didn't take care of my teeth. I let myself kind of go, especially in the years prior to getting better. 
off of the drugs and changing my perspective. So the last five years have been fundamental in like uh, rebuilding Stacy, really from top to bottom, you know, from perspective to the physical body. So after I found out I had cancer, I really jumped into like the holistic way of healing yourself, which was through organic leafy green vegetables most of the time, juicing. I was even doing like, my band thinks I'm crazy, but I was doing coffee enemas, which if you ask any nutritionist will tell you is a very good thing to like cleanse your liver and things like that. So I was doing that. I started washing my face every night and every morning. Started. (laughs) I'm going to be 45 years old. And at this time, I'm 43 years old. I hadn't been washing my face at night or in the morning. Even looking at myself to really be like, okay, I started fixing all the things. I quit smoking. I started slowing down. I realized from the cancer that I was, uh, you know, with my brain, I was just a constant rat on a wheel, it felt like. Always, what's next? What's next? What's next? More, more. I need more. I need it now and not being patient. So I, you know, with the yoga and with the meditation, I learned to really slow down and give myself time. And it takes nothing away from my day (laughs) to give myself that peace. So those are the kind of the things, the words that I use to describe myself are kind, loving. They're not negative words anymore. A total shift in perspective. Total shift in perspective, complete shift in perspective. And the truth is I got here from extreme suffering. Like a lot of people say, how did you, you know, how do you find like some sort of spiritual enlightenment? And they say that it's from this immense suffering. And I'm just one of those going through getting off of Xanax and what that did to my brain. It reduced me to being like a small child again. And I got so many answers on how to be well. And I'm on a constant journey now of this. I have like a whiteboard, I tell everybody all the time, but I've got a whiteboard that I write things on all the time, focus on the good and on possibility. So I see it. I have something up on my whiteboard that says, how do you feel? So I check in with myself. How do I feel right now? I feel good. You know, I feel sad. You know, like I went through having to know my worth. That's the other thing. Like I deserve good things too. Just because I came from nothing doesn't mean I'm supposed to have nothing my whole life. I deserve good things. I deserve a good man. I deserve, I deserve nice things. That's another one. A lot of folks with mental health issues feel like they have more resilience, that they're stronger, that they've been through more uh, in order to deal with hard things in life. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, doesn't it like set you up when you've been through like, you know, you've been through all of the bad things like you, you're probably more a little more equipped to to pushing through it, um, you know, like the cancer, right? Like that, it was like, I was sick twice. I had gotten through drugs. I had gotten through a, a divorce and my brother dying. Uh, a lot of my friends dying early things that happened to me when I was really young. Like I got through, you know, all of that stuff. It can make you stronger and more resilient. And it usually does. It should give you the tools to be better for it. You know, not just be stuck in the same place by getting through it in this, you know, in the same place as you entered it in. Everything that I've been through has made me better since I changed my perspective. Every hardship that I've been through has made me stronger and I'm up for the challenge and I walk through it asking questions about it and I'm self-aware. You know, I think that's a big one. Being self-aware is a real gift. What happened to your brother? My older brother is so sad. He was not my older brother by blood, but we had known each other since I was five. 
and we started calling each other brother and sister when I was 11. He had two young children and he had battled a drug addiction as well. And same with his wife, baby mama, but he got a job in a different city and left San Francisco and moved to Reno and uh, they started a new life. They both got clean. He had a really good electrician job. My nephew, Max, was about to start kindergarten. Harlow was four, a year, year behind that. And he was at work one day, and he got electrocuted at work. Oh, Terrible. It's brutal. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so, so that was, it was a tough one. And I had found the same year, I had found my ex-husband in bed with one of my friends. In his father's house that we lived in, it was like, I just decided to check out. I couldn't take it anymore. You know what I mean? Like I was already describing myself as a depressed person. Like I had walked through depression my whole life. My father has battled depression. I'm sure my brother has it a little bit. My mom has anxiety to the point of not being able to sleep and shaking. (sighs) It's tough. After those two things happened, I found a doctor that would give me whatever I wanted, and she gave me Xanax in really high doses. I was taking three two-milligram bars of that shit a day. I wasn't eating. I was like 98 pounds at my lightest, and I'm 140 pounds now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It must be hard to be around the musicians and the debauchery that goes on in, in the punk scene sometimes. Is that a trigger for you? No, it's not. After the cancer, I had to make a decision. Like I still smoke weed and I still drink occasionally. I don't do any other drugs. I don't take pills. I won't take antidepressants. I don't have a reason to take antidepressants, but I'm just not there anymore. I had to learn to be responsible and to live in abundance. Like I have to be able to have a good time with my band and not be so strict that the cancer comes back. You know what I mean? That I'm worried and I'm so strict on myself that I don't let anything. I have to be very good to myself. I have to give myself the things that I want in life, but not abuse them. Part of my cancer therapy is being well. I don't want the cancer to come back. And to me, that means I have to, I have to live in abundance. And that means I, I have to be responsible for the things that I do. Yeah. So no, no, nobody triggers me to want to do drugs. None of that does. I'm not going back to that shit. Why would I go back to that shit? (laughs) (laughs) When you're up there playing with the band, how does that feel? Wow. I mean, it's everything. It's everything I ever wanted in my life that I get to do it is remarkable. And I'm completely grateful every single day. I don't ever take it for granted ever. Oftentimes I'm on stage and I'm, I close my eyes and I'm singing and I'm smiling and I'm just so grateful. I'm thinking about how grateful I am. (laughs) Like I said earlier, one of the things, you know, to be really well in life is to get to live your dream. And I get to do that. So that part of it is covered now. There was a lot of time when I didn't get to live my dream in the, in the quality that I get to live it now. And that killed me. I wanted it so bad, but I wasn't getting it because I didn't have the right perspective. But as soon as I did and was strong and stepped into who I was supposed to be in it all with the correct message and the correct desire to want to help humanity rather than just take for myself the universe really shined on me and my band and has given us the opportunity to go out and do it. It's incredible. Why do you think that people with mental health issues gravitate towards the punk scene? 
because we're honest and open and more, like I said earlier, we're the weirdos. So there's more of open arms. We are different. We've always been different. People that suffer with mental health issues are different. It doesn't mean you're bad to have mental health issues. It means that you operate differently and it's okay. It should be celebrated, not poo-pooed. It shouldn't be like a crutch that I have this and that and this and so I can't do X, Y, and Z. It should be, yeah, I have this, that, and this, but I'm still fucking doing this, that, this, and that. You know what I mean? And I'm pushing through it. That's the way to, you know, that's the way to go. And it sounds like you're saying the punk scene has less stigma than mainstream yeah. society. The white picket fence life doesn't really understand different. And I believe that people with mental illness are attracted to the punk scene because it's a place where you can be different and it's okay. I've always been welcomed with open arms. I really have. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. You can connect with me at soundcloud.com slash screamtherapy. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care and be well. Keep it